oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn Two Podcast We are continuing on our journey down the 30-team preview series Stopping in Chicago for the Chicago Cubs. We will be hitting up uh, the south side with the White Sox next week. But as we start here, we start with the Chicago Cubs, the perennial underachieving Chicago Cubs. I threw that in there for our one of our co-hosts of the Today Show, Mr. Corey Ott, Brewers fan, here to break down the Chicago Cubs. What's up, Corey? Uh, absolutely love it. You're now my best friend, Matt. <laughs> Fly the L Cubs. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm excited to talk about the Cubs a little bit. They have a really exciting and, um, you know, they have an explosive top of their lineup and, you know, they could, eh, they could do something, but the Brewers are still going to finish over them in the, in the division. So, uh, but I'm doing good. How are you doing? We swear we're going to do this down the middle folks. Don't worry. <laughs> we're, don't worry. Yeah. We have someone else on the squad here. So Michael Govier. Here to uh, keep us honest about the, the Chicago Cubs. Uh, what's up, Mike? Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, Chicago Cubs are a team that I don't loathe or hate. Uh, I enjoyed watching them back in the 80s when I was a kid on WGN and watching Leon Durham, man first base. But uh, I do find Cubs fans to be a bit annoying. But they got their title now, so hopefully it'll be less annoying. I will say this, Corey, I'm a big Brewers fan. I mean, obviously, I'm a Tigers fan. I'm from Detroit. But uh, I always I like the Brewers. I'm a big fan of what they do there, and I'm always rooting for the uh, Midwest cities to thrive. So I say Milwaukee superior, a better city than Chicago, and both are on Lake Michigan. So I'm going with Milwaukee over Chicago. I, I have to edit this all out because I don't know <laughs> if this is going to surprise you too, but most people that are going to listen to this episode are shockingly going to be Cubs fans. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Right. Well, I will say this. I I have a great times to Chicago. I've been to the Metro. I saw some killer shows there. It's I saw a beautiful Pearl. city by the, yeah. by the by the river. I'm in. I, that, no, Pittsburgh, it, any any city by a river is pretty awesome. Oh, I totally agree. I saw Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field in 2016, and That's that cool. was awesome. That was one of the best times I ever had. So I've definitely had good times. Chicago is a fun place. Ben do went to Wrigley one time on a baseball trip. I'm in Southern New Jersey. I went out to Midwest. Sammy Sosa hit a home run the game I went to. It's all I could ask for. Mm. Uh, wish I could have heard Harry Carey. Mm, <laughs> if you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? <laughs> yeah. Will Farrell shout out. Nice. <laughs> um, let's get some runs. All right. So let's start. Uh, you know, for anyone who's not uh, familiar with the 30 team series, if that's the first one you're catching, we go through the entire team lineup, bench prospects, pitching rotation, everything. And we tell you what to expect from a fantasy standpoint uh, in, in just general terms and also uh, realignment, 100 games, anything that you need to know, we're going to hit up. So we're going to start with the uh, with the lineup and we are getting the lineup that we're discussing from Roster Resource. Uh, you can find them on rosterresource.com or over on Fangraphs, which they're permanently moving to. So if you disagree with any of the placement of the people in the lineup, that's fine. We may disagree too, but this is how they uh, are set up on roster resource, and they are usually pretty good at what they do. Uh, leading off 
for the Chicago Cubs in 2020. They have Chris Bryant, which is psycho. Uh, in my opinion, uh, this is something that they have talked about doing very publicly and they have, I believe, done before, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, how do you guys feel about Chris Bryant leading off? Uh, starting with you, Corey, uh, just the general idea. We'll, you know, we'll break into Bryant in a second, but just what do you think of like, you know, the general idea of, of batting a guy like that leadoff? Yeah, the, the, I'm not a big fan of the general idea. Um, he has proven to get on base at a somewhat elite level, though, but it's more so his uh, batted ball profile that I'm more concerned with, I would say, overall. <laughs> Michael, what do you think of it? Uh, you know, I'm kind of into it. I, I would like to see how it goes. He's had a very limited go as a leadoff hitter. I think he's only had seven games in his entire career where he bet leadoff, and that was in 2018. So it, the numbers were typical of what he does. You're giving a power bat an opportunity to get your lineup going. You want to give your best players as many bats as possible. I like that concept, but I wonder if – I mean, this guy has never even had a hundred walk season, and I think Chris Bryant should have had at least a hundred walks in a season. So I'm I'm a little skeptical. I know I said it. I said it's wonky and it's psycho. And and, and here's the thing: is I, I I think they're kind of making the right move, as stupid as it is, because who else is going to do it? I mean, Ian Happ certainly isn't going to do it. Uh, Jason Hayward, you know, I mean, who are you putting up there? So. I actually like Rizzo. I think Rizzo, if they were going to do this, would be a better option to lead off than Bryant would. I, if- I, I think the I think it literally went to Bryant, maybe just a simple uh, righty lefty righty with uh, Bryant Rizzo and Baez. It could have simply been that. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, getting into Chris Bryant, uh, being being drafted at an insane insane discount. Uh, everyone seems to think he was had this just just atrocious year, uh, breaking it for everyone. He did have, again, another 382 on base percentage, 31 home runs, 108 runs. Trash, right? Just who, <laughs> who, wants, who wants that noise? Uh, he's, he's definitely, since his MVP season, he's suffered from injuries. And uh, like I said, 77 RBIs last year. That's the highest he's had since 2016. So uh, what do we think of Chris Bryan? Is, is he someone, do we think he'll ever get back to that uh, elite MVP level, Michael? Or is, uh, are we going to see you know, what we saw last year or decline? How do you feel about Mr. Bryan? Well, I think with Chris Bryant, we're just getting going into the real, real special part of his career. I I don't have a lot to base that on other than the fact that I like the talent he's always had, and he's had some injuries, and I don't think those injuries are going to continue. I do not see that. I think he's a great value. Uh, in TGFBI, I got him, I think, around pick 70. I thought that was great. I, I jumped all over that. I mean, a guy, the, all the numbers that you just mentioned, I'll take that at 70 overall. He could be my guy who will help stabilize the lineup. I think he's a rather consistent guy. You know, he is someone who you think there's someone going to be like Trout-esque. When he came up, not that he has Trout's profile, but the hype on him was so big. I remember trading for him in a deal where I gave up Chris Bryant and George Springer back in like 2016 just to get Mike Trout in a league. And I was... I thought I was giving up a lot because Chris Bryant had so much potential and excitement. He, he was the guy. He was going to be the it guy. And five years later, four years later, I'm not really as excited as I was. But that doesn't mean he's not a rock-solid guy who will give you an excellent OBP and someone who could hit 40 home runs if he's healthy. 
I mean, last year, he, I mean, he, he kind of had a typical year for himself. A lot of people are, are kind of, are kind of pissing on it a little bit. I mean, 282, 31, 108, uh, runs 77 RBIs were a little low, but the Cubs were a little low 2017. He hit 295 with 29 home runs, 111 runs, 73 RBIs. Then he had that giant year where he hit 292, um, with the 39 home runs, 121 runs, 102 RBIs, which, you know, was, was awesome. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Corey? Do you have any differing opinions here? It just, I think if he did exactly what he did last year, I mean, the leading off's a little different, so maybe he gets a few more runs, a few less RBIs, but, um, you know, I, I, if he did what he did last year, I'm pretty damn happy about that. All right, and I believe that I, I think he could put up what he did last year, but he's going to have to make some changes and make some improvements to do that. And, and what I mean, like, I'm just going to, you know, lay out some, some data, um, you know, some statistics from, from Brian's past few seasons. And like, he just has declined in the batted ball profile. So that's my big issue is seeing the decline barrel rate, nothing but decrease from year to year, still above average with major league average, but that's not what you want to see out of someone in the top of your lineup. He's literally decreasing an X Woba is decreasing an X Wobacon for the last three years. So, so my issue is that he showed signs of improvement you know, 2015, 2016, and then all of a sudden 2017, something changed, took a turn, and his batted ball profile has really taken a turn um, for the worse. I mean, 25th percentile in hard hit rate, 21st percentile in whiff, um, you know, uh, 26th percentile on XBA. So he's just not, um, something's happening behind the scenes with Chris Bryant, and I'm not quite sure what it is, but I'm not willing to pay for him because of these underlying issues. I can see that <laughs> there, you know, he's, he's one of those people, people are split on, um, which is actually keeping his ADP consistent. Actually, there's either people that feel that he's a steal or people that feel he's a pass, but there's all, all it takes is one person in every draft. So, uh, overall, uh, him batting lead off for at least the kind of player he is, is not ideal for him. It's only ideal for the Cubs who really should invest in a actual on base, uh, player to be leading off. Um, batting second in this lineup currently is going to be Anthony Rizzo. Someone we mentioned who might be another really good option to lead off because, uh, you know, he's, he's, Almost in the, I mean, last year he literally had an on-base percentage over 405, uh, and he's always in that upper range, like in the uh, the high 380s to 390s. Um, he's he's pretty much the same player every year, kind of like perennially, uh, perennially, perennially. Wow, uh, <laughs> underrated. He's always in like you know the 270, 280, 290 range in the average. He's just kind of bouncing around that vicinity. Uh, 30, 100, and 100 is kind of who he is. Last year. Uh, he only had 613 at bats uh, or plate appearances. Uh, he usually gets a few more than those. If he actually got the normal amount of uh, playing time that he typically would, uh, he probably would have ended up batting uh, about 290 with 30, 100, and 100. He's he's the same guy he's always been, and that's exactly what he's going to be this year. His ones, runs created plus is literally almost always sitting in the 140s. So um, he's 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 really one of the bigger steals in the draft in a position that is honestly kind of – shallow this year there's some interesting options like cj crone uh like later on that you can grab but you know for me uh everyone's kind of jumping on uh you know like uh someone's kind of like jumping early on uh, you know freddie freeman will go at the very top and then there's like this weird group that like you know people are uh, either they believe alonzo's worth it i do not matt olson has a cheering section and then there's like the paul goldschmidt people who think he could he's not on the decline which definitely he is uh, and, and Anthony Rizzo just seems like kind of lost in no man's land where he just slides in the draft for absolutely no reason. People think Jose Abreu is a value. No, Anthony Rizzo is one. 
Yeah, I think it might have something to do with like shiny new new toy syndrome too. You know, like Anthony Rizzo has been around for a while and he has literally consistently put up elite um, base percentage rates, like just across the board, um, you know, ex-WOBA 94th percentile. And that's pretty consistent across the last four seasons. And he, to me, um, you know, he doesn't have the speed really, but Rizzo should be the leadoff hitter. Um, for this team, in my opinion. And I mean, he's just, he's, he, he has trouble starting up. So like, that is a concern that I do have with Rizzo. Um, I was thinking about today that in a shortened season, you don't have 162 games to stabilize out like your, your performance. Right. So like if he takes as long as he does the last couple seasons, or as long as he did the last couple seasons to get going, um, then you're going to count, you're going to have a, a hole atop the lineup, um, but he always seems to bring it back. So I'm, I, you know, I'm hoping the best for from Rizzo, but it's it's something to watch for sure. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Uh, just, um, I mean, there's a couple of weird things with him. Is is in terms of his fly ball percentage has gone down four straight years. Along with that, his launch angle has come down for four straight years. But as far as his exit velocities, it stayed pretty consistent. Um, the lat, you know, from his like uh, 2016, 2017, his barrel rate has come down a little bit, but again, the rest of his numbers that show up in the box score have kind of remained pretty consistent. And so has his, his plate discipline in general, as far as striking out, uh, which he's always, you know, very, you know, is, is always decent at and, uh, and, uh, walking. So, uh, is there, you know, I don't know. We, we, we kind of said a lot about Anthony Rizzo. Do you have anything to add? Well, I think that Anthony Rizzo, like Corey said, would be the, best option as the leadoff hitter. I completely agree with that. You know, he had a limited opportunity last year, about 12 games, 46 plate appearances leading off last year. And, you know, it's a very small sample, but it's a 410, 500, 667 slash line. And he only struck out five times. So he, he is the best option, still not an ideal leadoff hitter by any means, but I like him there. But there's a bigger problem with Anthony Rizzo. He's like that, that girlfriend or maybe that wife that you, you've been with forever. And, you know, you've been generally happy. You've really enjoyed it. It's been a good run. But for some reason, you're just looking for more because there's that hot new woman at the office. Or maybe you met somebody out at the uh, kickball team one night. And you're like, wow, she's looking shiny and exciting and fun. She's so into me. And you you start to lose your way. And Anthony Rizzo is the guy that is going to give you consistent, reliable stats. But you just take it for granted. And I don't think you should take him for granted because he is someone, in my opinion, He's probably a top four first baseman. I would rather have him than Matt Olson. I think if home runs are still cheap, I'll take Anthony Rizzo all day. Goldschmidt, like you said, is past his prime. Pete Alonso is going to come back to earth. I'd rather have Rizzo than Alonso any day of the week. I would rather have Matt Olson, but that is a different show. I think he's an MVP candidate, uh, but uh, I do agree with you. As far as price goes, I would rather have Rizzo than Alonzo for sure, as I believe Alonzo's probably going to be looking at maybe closer to your typical crush lineup. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe the batting average will be a little higher, uh, but yeah, I mean, may- he's not going to have 50 home runs, but if I had to bet, I'd say you're looking at 250, maybe 40 home runs, which is great, but he's not a guy you should be taking in the third round. Um Batting third for this lineup is Javier Baez, who, for the love of God, I mean, he's someone I was against for like my, you know, forever. He's his batting ball profile makes no sense. He's he's like, as far as typical metrics are concerned, 
kind of one of the worst hitters in baseball in terms of plate discipline. It, it usually it doesn't add up. Like you look at him, you look at Aldelberto Montesi, and Javier Baez has decided to put it together somehow, uh, which is you know maybe where you have hope for some other guys. There are some enigmas out there, but Javier Baez is certainly one of them. Uh, Corey, what do you make of this guy? He obviously has proven that uh, you know he can live in uh, the twilight zone and continue to produce. <laughs> Yeah, and the thing with uh, with Baez is even though you know the batted ball profile isn't exactly what you would like to see, um, but he has improved year to year, and um, he's actually you know last season he hit the ball harder than than he has any season. Um, so you know a thirty seven hard hit rate. So it's not really you know up there where you want to see it from a three hitter. Um, that's gonna you know you, you're expecting potentially 35 or more home runs out of uh, each season. And he's been able, you know, to put up some pretty decent numbers. Uh, K rates pretty much remain the same. Walk percentage has remained the same. Um, you know, run production's a little bit down. So I, what I see with Javi Baez is some some little strides behind the scenes with the batted ball, pro- batted ball profile. But like you said, they're not big enough for me to take the jump to invest in him as an elite second baseman, though his elite defense will always keep him on the field. Um, I remember when the outs above average uh, came out, all the Cubs fans were coming out of the woodwork. Oh, he's the best player in the major leagues. It's, it was fascinating to hear uh, his barrel percentages continue to go to continue to continue to go up His hard contact has continued to go up. He's one of those guys that uh, we've talked about this a couple of times. If you listen to the show, uh, increasing your launch angle is not always a good thing because uh, sometimes you're, you know, you're, you're, it'll increase your pop-ups. A lot of fly balls will decrease your BABIP, which will decrease your batting average. He is someone year after year, he's going from 11.4 degrees to 9.2 degrees to 7.6 degrees uh, with his launch angle, but he's hitting the ball harder. Uh, He's hitting it more on the sweet spot if you're into that. Um, We talk about uh, launch angle standard deviation. He's he's hitting the ball more consistently, and that is helping him. So, I mean, yeah, like everything Corey said, he he seems to be – uh, improving as time goes on. His expected batting average has gone up from the 240s, 250s, all the way up into like the 270, 280s the last couple of years. So uh, it's something he's working on. So um, as someone I was terrified to draft, still am. Um, someone else can draft him, but at least now I kind of understand. <laughs> uh, the stolen bases, Michael. What do we think of the stolen bases? Are, are, are they ever coming back to say hello ever again? Because uh, everyone who drafted him after his like you know MVP type season was hoping for those twenty one steals. Still gave you eleven, which is fine. But uh, um, you know the thing that kind of gave him a lot of value was those those extra ten. Do we think they're going to come back? Uh, I don't. We don't know how David Ross is going to play this. I would assume that he's going to follow Epstein's script more because Madden Madden always was part of the team, but he, as you know, liked to do things his own way. And I, I feel like if Javi Baez gets an opportunity to run more, that he could still take an opportunity to steal 15 or 20 bases. But that is a big question. I do believe he can steal that amount of bases. The question is, will he be given that opportunity? And I don't know, hitting number three, it seems unlikely if he's going to be sitting there in the lineup. I don't see that happening because his you know, his, his speed has remained pretty constant if you look at his sprint speed from year to year. I don't think this is someone that uh, I would be targeting. Personally, I don't care for Javi Baez because I I just don't think I could rely on him. And, you know, I'm one of those guys. I guess I'm a cliche now. because We're going we're gonna to get hate mail. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Hate- I started Bring- it. <laughs> You did? Okay, well, hey, I will join you, and I will support you, Corey, because I believe in what I'm saying. And I know that 
Javi Baez just has that horrendous walk rate. I know his barrel percentage is killer, but I don't like guys who don't walk enough to get on base. It freaks me out, but that's just me. And some people Striking will Striking out 30% of the time doesn't help either. No, that, that <laughs> exactly, Matt, exactly. Hey, he's anomaly. He's he's. I said he lives. He lives in the twilight zone, and that's okay. I, res- I respect it. He's he uh, he's the he's the exception to the rule. They say there's always an exception to the rule. It's the Javi Baez rule. Yeah, no, you're um, right about that. He's batting, ADP at 33. I just wouldn't want to. I would wait on that. I, there's so many shortstops. I think there's so much more depth. Yeah, um, that's way I, too high. And and like yeah. the thing, just one more thing to add, real quick, is like yeah. if you have Bryant and Rizzo hitting in front of him. Like if those guys are going to have elite on base percentages and they're going to be on base, Javi Baez isn't going to be stealing any bases. He's going to be swinging for the fences. And I mentioned that uh, Rizzo was a steal yet. I have zero shares of him. So I don't know if I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's plenty of other people to be had that early in the draft, but a little later in the draft, there's not a ton more to be had. And someone I have a ton of shares of as soon as uh, Rizzo and Bryant, they're on base Baez strikes out. Uh, someone's going to be sitting there at home plate and his name is Kyle Schwarber. I am, uh, I'm all about Kyle Schwarber. If anyone who's owned him in the past knows it's a freaking headache to own Kyle Schwarber. Uh, just ask the people who owned him in the first half last year when he batted 227 with a 28.3 K percentage and a 97 runs created plus 3% below average for anyone who doesn't own the plus points. Second half bats 280 brings down his strikeout percentage by uh, 7%, 404 Wobo, 151 runs created plus. I really hope you didn't ditch him last year, folks. That is a, that is a season killing uh, transaction you made. The thing though is again, 97 run created plus uh, weighted runs created plus 151. I mean, there's a gigantic difference. Home runs first to second half, 18 to 20. Runs first to second half, 45, 37. RBIs, 43 to 49. Not a really big difference there as far as counting stats. So like what the heck really happened? Um, in general, uh, he, he kind of uh, elevated the ball more. That's kind of what uh, what drove up the, his, his general success. But you're saying like, you know, I, I said his home runs didn't really go up or anything like that. But I'm going to get to kind of why... He was a much better hitter. Um, he he elevated the ball more, and he took away from his ground ball percentage in order to do it. For a power hitter, ground balls are depth. You know, Kyle Schwarber, if you ever seen him play the outfield, he's literally one of the slowest men on the planet. So um, he he took away from the from his uh, ground balls, which allowed him to just make harder contact. His barrel percentage didn't also really change fourteen point two to fourteen point eight, uh, and his expected barrels were actually uh, actually higher in the first half, sixteen and a half. 14.2 in the second half, which is, is, is again, insane. Um, so if he sold out for elevation and there was not an increase in barrels, where did the success come from? Um, this is why we always talk about exit velocity and how it's kind of a flawed metric if you use it on its head. Uh, because if you actually look at his exit velocity itself, it decreased from the first to second half when he had the amazing jump. It went from 94.4 to 92.2. That's why you look at broken down exit velocity, which you can find on Stackcast. You can find in Alex Chamberlain's chart. Uh, look for the uh, exit velocity for his fly balls, the line drives. It jumped from 97 to 98.6. Um, he was hitting the ball hard at all times, but he was literally incinerating it in the second half. His solid contact went from 7.6 to 10.4. His Wobicon went from 415 to 474. And his Babbitt rose from 268 to 284. Less ground balls. Um, and he was just hitting the ball generally harder. The big thing for him, which this was the entire thing, long story to get to the very short answer. He started hitting the ball to all fields. 
He is traditionally a massive pull hitter. Uh, the league shifts against him 69.3% of the time. Uh, he went from pulling the ball 41 uh, 0.6% to only 38. Uh, he, he drove the ball to center field more and he drove the ball to opposite field more. Uh, so this is obviously, again, if they're going to be shifting against you 69.3% of the time, you're going to want to try to take advantage of that, which many people don't, you know, everyone screams at people. Why don't you bunt down the third base side? No one does. And it kills a lot of careers. Hello, Ryan Howard. Um, <laughs> so, well, how did he do this? He basically had an old, he, in his old stance, uh, he used to have like a kind of a compact stance, you know, this is a, a podcast, but he would just stand there kind of compacted with his arms in front of his body. Um, instead he abandoned it for a more traditional upright stance where you just kind of had the bat just kind of sitting all chill on his shoulder. Uh, this loosened up his hands rather than standing them out in front of him all tense. They allowed to, uh, he was a lot more loose with a, again, the bat just chilling on your shoulder. Just imagine, imagine, hold your hands out in front of your body. Like you're holding a bat and then just hold the bat on your shoulder. There's no weight on it at all. Uh, it allows for more bat speed and it allowed him to, um, it allowed him to improve against um, against left-handed pitching, and it allowed him to improve just in general. Um, left-handed hitting first his career, he batted 198. Um, first half last year, 220. He made the change. He batted 240. Again, baby steps, but he was 83% run created plus. Now he's 106. Not amazing, but a pretty big, vast improvement. So again. Long story short, he made a lot of changes, and we've been disappointed with Kyle Schwarber a lot in his career. But uh, with the changes he made in kind of his general approach and that uh, that batting stance that allows him to kind of get to pitches more, um, I love it because you know it allows him to hit, hit inside pitches up the middle and outside pitches to the opposite field. People are going to have to shift on him less. It's just going to help him even more. So. Uh, I believe in Kyle Schwarber. I think he is a must own this year. So I don't know if I left anything for you guys to say, but I wanted to hammer home the point of Kyle Schwarber's the man and he needs to be drafted everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with everything you just said, Matt. And um, just to add one small point, I mean, the, the truth just lies in his batted ball profile. He's done nothing but improve the rate he's hit the ball at. The quality of contact is there. And I like using, you know, he's got a 51.2% hard hit rate overall at bats last season compared to the exit velocity you're talking about, how using average exit velocity can be dangerous. Um, using hard hit rate, however, is not so dangerous because it's averaging out the amount of hits divided by hits at 95 miles an hour or higher. So oh, you should, I, um, where do you, uh, if you want to explain for the listeners, uh, cause there's two very different ways to get hard contact and that's from fan graphs and from Statcast, two very, very different numbers. I don't know if you want to mm -hmm. hit on that for everybody. Right. Right. And so the one that I just highlighted would be hard hit rate, um, produced by, so it would be Statcast. So I use the MLB, you know, the MLB written dictionary by the guys over, um, at, uh, baseball spot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Man, you, Matt, that was very impressive. First off, excellent information. <laughs> I mean, it's tough to top that. I'm not going to try to top that. I just would like to throw in that his barrel percentage, even though it's it looks pretty similar to 2017 at 14.5% last year, that was also almost 100 more batted balls last year. So he's, he stabilized that rate with also a lot more batted balls in play. So that's very interesting. I think he's a guy that left-handers will always uh, have the edge on. I mean, 32 home runs to six home runs, right-handed versus left-handed pitching last year. 
It's a massive gap. So, oh yeah, well he said he batted 198 for his career, 240 in the second half. 240 sucks, but it's not 198. You know, mm. what I mean, like at least you don't have to worry about maybe sitting him against a tough lefty now. You can kind of leave him in there to swing for the fences and try. No, you're right about that. I agree. He's also a guy who finishes strong, not just last year's second half. His career September October numbers are real solid: 275, 373, 558 slash line. Um, so if you're looking for a guy in the stretch run and trade deadlines, this these are the little nuggets to think about now to maybe file away later if you're looking to make trades later in your fantasy season. Just I love looking at how guys start and finish and trying to find the advantage at certain points of the season. So Schwarber so, should give that to you. So if, if people start fast, is the first half non-existent or is the second <laughs> half non-existent? Are they both going to be on fire this year, first and second half players? Are they both like, what's what's going on in their minds? <laughs> uh, one last thing before we move on is Kyle Schwarber is also his play discipline, which is a big thing I, none of us mentioned is, it, 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 I mean, you mentioned his battle ball profile, but I mean, the play discipline has improved year over year over year, swinging strike uh, rate year over year. He's currently in line with league average, which for a power hitter is fine, but in uh, his O swing is 26.4, which for a home run hitter uh, is 5.2% better than uh, better than MLB average. So uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, so if you know, you're wondering like, he always hits the ball hard. He did last year. What are you kind of hoping? Like, why am I making such a big deal out of this? Uh, his best case scenario is you're drafting 2019 Jorge Soler uh, with batting average upside, but in like, you know, maybe four rounds later, five rounds later. Uh, wow. You could be, you know, you could be 265, 48, 50 home runs. This is over a full season, not 100 games. But yeah. I mean, uh, 95, like 120 RBIs. I mean, this guy really has uh, a ton of upside of what we saw last year can carry over because I said, uh, you know, all those things, if they prevent the shift, there's there's a lot of dominoes that could fall for here. But luckily, you don't have to reach for him uh, for where those numbers could be. But it makes where he's being drafted like ridiculous. Yeah, well, 141 ADP uh, on average right now. If you would... I look at the guys around him, David Dahl, uh, Trey Mancini's out for the year, obviously, but Tommy Edmond, Danny Santana. This is just for outfielders. I I like Schwarber over all these guys, even more than Oscar Mercado or Max Kepler, even Fran Mill Reyes. I would take Schwarber way over Fran Mill. So I agree with you. I think you're on to something here. You're drafting Fran Mill to hopefully be what Schwarber is. You're drafting Schwarber to hopefully be what Chris Bryant was. Without the batting average, <laughs> uh, but um, you know, whatever, with more power. I bet. Anyway, uh, moving on from Kyle Schwarber, who I apparently uh, am obsessed with, uh, Wilson <laughs> Contreras. I here's here's a guy I'm not very very high on. Um, I, there's there's a lump of like there's the elite catchers at the top: JT Realmuto, Gary Sanchez, and is that it? <laughs> Am Wilson I forgetting Contreras, one? Oh, he does. Yeah. He does have a 96 percentile pop time. So I and uh, and Yasmani Grandel. Well, do you, well, that's where would you put him? Because I I, I have Grandel, uh, Real Muto, and Sanchez at the top, and then I just kind of have a a cluster of a bunch. The reason I like Contreras is I feel that anyone from four to like ten, if they finished in any order, it wouldn't surprise me. So I don't see the benefit of reaching for him. I, I at one point saw the point of reaching for uh, for uh, Mitch um, Garver, Garver, but after they added Josh Donaldson, Sano went to first, kind of closing off those first base at bats. I'm now a little off Garver too. Again, for for uh, ADP purposes, uh, 
because you know there's guys like Salvador Perez much later uh, that you know is again very underrated. He's not a he's not an injury prone person. Before that, he literally played like liter- like every single day. Uh, so anyway, Wilson Contreras is a uh, Corey. Do you want to sell? You want to sell everyone on Wilson Contreras? I don't want to sell everyone <laughs> on Wilson Contreras. Um, all that, all that, me burying him, and you're just gonna agree. <laughs> I'll let Michael try to sell Wilson Contreras, but I mean, he's a viable catcher. Um, I, I just won't take him at his price. I refuse to like, I'll take a catcher in fantasy drafts, not talking NLB remix when defense matters, but we're talking fantasy. I will take a guy like Omar Narvaez over Wilson Contreras. Uh, in my personal opinion, I'll wait for that. Wow. Uh, Corey, are, are you big on taking a catcher high anyways, or you prefer to wait? I'm not really high on taking a catcher big unless it is in a dynasty league as Matt and I both just took Yasmani Grandel pretty high in an OBP league. Yeah, so OB, in that, OB, OBP. Exactly. In that <laughs> yeah. type of situation, I will reach. Like we did reach there probably for him. But I, in a normal, you know, format. One, I'm not one gonna, catcher. In two catchers, yeah. it's funny. In one catcher, I will wait to the very end of the draft. I don't care who I have. If, if I have Jason Castro, so be it. I don't care. I uh, in a two catcher league, I flip it completely on its head. I grab two elite catchers. I'm bleeding the league dry because I want to get myself. <laughs> like if I have two elite catchers, there's a couple teams that have zero, um, mm-hmm. even usable catchers. So uh, that that is how I go about that. Uh, but, Especially uh, today when there's very little positional scarcity across the board. You know, you talk about like second base and first base, maybe looking the worst across the league. Um, but catching, uh, it, there is some depth there. You can wait and you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as Contreras, I'm trying to figure out what's the real story in 2020. Whenever this season gets rolling, and it's looking slowly and slowly, like maybe July will happen. We don't know yet, but Contreras has been back and forth. He's been doing the flip-flopping season. It's kind of like Gary Sanchez in a way, another catcher who you know had huge seasons and turned it off and came back on. It's the rotating years. I am concerned that this will be the off year because what he's been doing has been 2016, he came up, you know, it was all right. 2017 was pretty damn good. 2018, eh, so-so. 2019, better. So is it time to be so-so again? I'm not sure what you can expect out of him. He he hits 21 and 24 home runs in 2000 and 2019, respectfully. This guy's a mystery to me because if he's 2018 version, who in a 544 plate appearances hits 250 with a 340 OBB, this is not somebody that I would – target at the value where he's at right now at 109 on average that's way too high no way are, are you trying to say that wilson Contreras is the uh is the uh, eric hosmer of catchers <laughs> <laughs> he might be i i wouldn't uh that's pretty damn good reference i'd say so serviceable <laughs> yeah yeah, serviceable. He's serviceable, but he's not elite. He's certainly yeah, not. You know elite. what's funny? I'm more likely to end up with Eric Hosmer on my team than Wilson Contreras, though, because of ADP. I don't want I don't want him on my team. Uh, but you know, uh, where he's being drafted, if you literally have just like gotten sniped the entire draft and just need a guy to throw in, mm-hmm. that's fine. And that's you know, that's okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Wilson Contreras, it's basically the idea you throw out Omar Narvaez, Wilson Ramos. I mean, God, even <laughs> Danny Jansen, I'll take a shot. I think there's something there, but yeah. You know, especially in one catcher where you can use the waiver wire to your advantage. I just don't see him giving you that big of it. It's basically everyone. Um, you're passing on really good players at other positions in order to take him there. And the players that you can get um, later on at the positions you skipped are way worse than the catchers that are available. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Um, Jason there's a lot of catchers that could pop too. There's, yes. Absolutely. Like if you wait in the two hundreds. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Jason Hayward, who wants to talk about him? Is he? He's going to platoon uh, probably with I don't know Steven Souza, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Who's who's yeah. interesting enough? I'd, I'd be more interested if he had more bats. You don't want to be on the weak side of the platoon, but uh, anything here for Jason Hayward? Uh, you know, he is what he is. Defense doesn't count in fantasy. Blah blah blah. Right? There's you know there's a little bit of something to to be. Uh, a little bit excited about, I guess. <laughs> um, 101 WRC plus. You know, he's just in, he's back kind of to being an average and serviceable player. But is he if he's going to give you 589 plate appearances again, obviously not this season. Um, but if he were to do that in a full season, then I might you know you might take a chance on him because uh, you know he obviously batted ball profile isn't ideal. We've known that for a long time. Um, but you know he's he's hit the ball harder than than he ever has in his career, just plain and simple, whether it's very hard or not very hard. Um, and he's had a lower soft hit rate than he has um, throughout his career as well. So he could be a potential 25, 85, 70, 10 hitter. Um, but the strikeouts were really the thing hindering him. So his rates stayed fairly similar. Uh, he walked more than he usually does, but he both, and he struck out more than he usually does. So strikeouts really hindered him. Um, but yeah, I'm not, not so much interested in him for, for um for fantasy purposes maybe if he, a late he, had, an every, if he had an everyday rule right i mean you could right. see having him but like yeah if unless you're in like a deep league if you're in 15 team it's okay or especially if you're in, in daily lineup leagues and you can take more advantage of splits but yeah other than that it's like eh, bleh, he's bleh. a reserve yeah uh ian hap he's up next um I am very interested in Ian Happ. Uh, you know, I, after being taken ninth overall in 2015, uh, he debuted in 2017, 24 home runs, 842 RPS, and 413 plate appearances. Uh, I, I don't know. Everyone could probably remember when he came up. They're like, wow, Ian Happ, he looks so great. The following season, 2018, he started strong, uh, 832 OPS with 11 home runs over his first 280 player p- p- plate appearances. Then he turned to shit, like shit. <laughs> 196 with an 80 runs, weighted runs created plus. Again, that's 20% below league average. And his slugging percentage dropped to 340 with a 37% strikeout rate. That's not good. Uh, so after that, combined with a poor spring training in 2019, they fo- the, the Cubs sent him to the minors to work on his swing and approach. Uh, not just to go down there and uh, you know sully away until his career is over. They wanted him to actually be uh, more aggressive because he was seeing way too many pitches go by. He was seeing too many two-strike counts that were having a negative impact. It wasn't that he was taking pitches and walking like um, who was on the, <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays. What am I thinking of? Kevin Biggio. He wasn't doing that. He was just not taking his pitch early in counts and taking advantage. He was getting into two strike counts. And as you see, look up batting average versus two strike counts. Nobody does well, not even Hall of Famers. Maybe Tony Gwynn. Um, but minor league hitting coordinator, Chris Malika, he wanted to implement an A swing and a B swing, which always sounds terrible, especially for a young hitter to have to worry about two things. Uh, but I mean by that is the A swing was going to add to add more loft and it was intended to elevate the ball early in the count. If you see a pitch you like early, swing for the fences kind of or hit hit the ball, you know, hit on, down on the ball, hit a line drive. The B swing was flatter. It was to allow him to make consistent contact and two strike counts, which was going to strike, you know, cut down on the strikeouts and allow him to maybe drive up the batting average, hit the ball to opposite field, things like that. The idea being to cut down on his whiff rate, make more consistent contact. In the minor leagues, the results weren't immediate because it was a very different thing. But uh, overall, he was actually over to really lower his strikeout rate by nearly 10% and really maintained his power stroke, which is what we've kind of been uh, to to know him by. So this forced the Cubs uh, to test Hap's new approach in the majors in July. Uh, Same thing. 
he was terrible when he first came up. <laughs> in July, he batted 154 uh, with a 310 Woba. In August, 242 with a 344 Woba, 111 uh, weighted runs created plus. And then September, October, 311 with a 672 slugging, 410 Woba, 155 uh, weighted runs created plus. So did the changes make a difference? Um, he cut his strikeout rate to 25%, which is still terrible, but it was at 37. So baby steps. It's not ideal, definite improvement. But um, it should be noted that as the summer went on, his strikeout percentage did start to creep up a little more. Um, so in general, maybe the uh, being aggressive earlier in the count tended to work. But uh, I think the B swing, he kind of tossed out the window <laughs> because he still started to strike out quite a bit. Uh, he still had career best, though, in swing strike rate. Contact percentage, Z contact, O contact, which are sw swings, you know, his contact inside and outside of the uh, the strike zone. So, you know, he, he implemented a new swing and approach and he saw some, you know, he saw some really nice improvements, you know. Uh, so, you know, did he improve in two strike counts? No, still really awful. But most hitters, like I said, are in that in that situation. But he's able to take advantage of his new aggressive approach with the A swing uh, across the board, and that is where he was able to do a ton of damage. His barrel percentage is up to thirteen point seven. He was actually top thirty in barrels per plate appearances after already being in the top ten percent in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. Uh, all really due to flattening his swing. It didn't have an adverse effect. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, I, I think he's, he's interesting enough. You know, he, he had 27 home runs and 11 stolen bases between AAA and the majors in 2019. And just two years ago, uh, you know, he was 30 and 10 and people were really, really super excited. So you get him in 12 team leagues for pretty much for free. Um, at the very end, 15 team leagues still kind of for free. So, you know, what's the upside here? Um, you know, I don't, you know, it kind of depends, but I think, you know, the batting average is still going to kind of suck maybe in the 250 range, maybe, but over a full season, I think he's still capable of giving you that 25 plus home runs, maybe 10 plus stolen bases. Uh, I think he'll play every day. Cause I'll, you know, Almora's terrible, um, you know, and whatever else they have to deal with out there. Uh, but uh, I don't know in general, what do you guys think of Ian Happ again, another long winded uh, breakdown, but uh, he should as a switch hitter be given an opportunity down in the seven hole to bat every single day. And that's kind of the important thing. Uh, yeah, Ian Happ is the man. I'm very excited about the opportunity he'll have this year. Everything you described nailed it on the head. You know, his his strikeout rate came down a bit, and he's developing new ways to hit with his old buddy there, the coach. So I think that Ian Happ is someone I would jump all over, especially if I can get him at the end of a draft for nothing, like you said, because it's really low risk, high reward. This guy could give you a great on-base percentage, hit for power, because that's everyone hits for power generally. Uh, and then the steals. If he could give you 10 steals, that's a nice bump. It's just a matter of playing time. And does he get off to a start that, you know, solidifies his confidence? I know that he was as low as he could be last year because he didn't get to play and he barely got the chance to come back up. There was a point where it seemed like he would be traded or would never return to the Cubs early on last year. Like, oh, Ian Happ has lost it. He could have gone the way of the Dodo bird in a sense, but he didn't. He persevered and he's coming back. So that shows me that, He's someone who has that mental uh, acuity where he's focused and he does he doesn't want to fail and he's going to do what people tell him because he'll learn from others. So I like a guy like that who shows that resolve. Yeah, and to what you just said, Michael, like the key 
for me, perhaps success in the major leagues is if he can improve against left-handed pitching. Um, you know, he's pretty astounding against left-handed pitching. That's worth 30, you know, 33.3% K rate, um, against lefties, uh, where it's only 22 against righties. So that split difference, that disparity, um, you know, in his K rates, how, how Matt was saying, you know, how he was dropping that he dropped it down. Um, that's because he substan he got substantially better at hitting right-handed pitching, uh, you know, 135, um, our WRC plus um, against right-handed pitching, 96 WRC plus against left-handed pitching. And so the problem with this and what to a tune of what you were saying, Matt, you know, he had to learn two, two different swings, right? He actually had to learn four swings because he hits from both sides of the plate. So too much is going into his head, I believe. And I think they're going to really look to simplify. Um, and I think he's going to find his way. And he's, I think he's worth investing in as well because he should make that stride and, and learn to hit left-handed pitching much better as he gets more experience. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, it, in tape, it looked like they, uh, they tried in the minors, the, the four swings, like you said, it's not two, it's four worked for him. Uh, in the majors, I think it was, yeah, it was too much because major league pitchers are trying to do too much to affect your timing. And I think he did ditch that. I did ditch. I think he ditched that B swing. The thing that he was trying to flatten out with two strikes. I think that uh, he was just making the change to be more aggressive earlier in counts. And, and that's, what's going to happen. So, I mean, he's never going to be a 300 hitter, but you know, if he cuts down on the strikeouts, put more balls in play, he hits the ball really hard. He had a 300 ISO last year. You know, you could see it. Um, and to, to people that look at his splits and they're like, Oh, he did it in a really short period of time. He did. Uh, but you know, if, um, you know, he, he, but we said he, he came up, he struggled because he was trying new things and then he made tangible change and things improved. So I don't mind um, when people break out over a small period of time, if there's a reason, like they actually change something. Sure. It's a small sample size, grain of salt, but um, at his price, you know, it's, you know, I'm willing to take a shot on. Hey, batting, uh, batting eighth for the uh, Chicago Cubs is Jason Kipnis. Who wants to jump in? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. All right, I don't the, care at the, all. the bench, the bench, uh, Victor Cara, Caratini, Daniel Del Caso. Who, who, what is with this guy? Who did he offend? It's like he, he seems every year he has this stretch in fantasy where he's carrying a team and he just can't seem to play. What's up with Daniel Del Caso? You also have David Bodie, Al, Albert Almora, uh, and Steven Souza Jr. Any love on the bench for fantasy baseball? Steven Sousa Jr. is probably the only one that I would have any interest on taking a late round flyer just because of what he did going into, I think 2017, he did uh, that season. He put up well above league average numbers and it, things were looking up for him. And then he had that dramatic injury and he's now just now returning back to baseball. So who knows? He's kind of a wild card and somewhat of a deep league, uh, you know, flyer. It'd be nice if uh, I don't wish injury on anyone. That's terrible. But if Jason Hayward like got a friendly bonk on the head and maybe forgot what baseball was for a year, and we can get Steven Souza out there in the outfield for 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 one hundred, I, I think he's an above average replacement player. Yes, I, I think Hayward. every every Completely. day in in Wrigley, yeah, yep. I think he could yep. be good if you know if healthy. Another problem with him, uh, but you know if you're in a daily league uh and you're in a well i don't know daily league you're on a weak side of a platoon i don't know it's tricky <laughs> you'd have to be in a 15 team league <laughs> but uh you know Souza, he's if he gets he's one of those guys where you know if you hear something happen jason hayward you know sprained a toe uh you know your eyebrow should go up oh steven Souza, you know i mean it, it could be a big deal um and the same go thing goes for jason kipnis and nico horner as well 
like oh, taking I, a stab at Nico Hörner. To say, I thought you were about to go all excited on us about uh, Jason Kipnis. I'm like, oh, oh no, nope. nope. <laughs> but if they, you know, if they, he's you know he's had trouble staying on the field. If if he were to go down, Horner is there. He's 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 got that spot locked. So absolutely, along with Souza, you know, two interesting free targets at the end of drafts that could potentially have an above average impact. There was some chatter about the Cubs uh, being interested in maybe to give Horner a shot right out of the gate uh, in spring training. They probably weren't going to. They were probably going to super to him like they do everyone. Just look at the Chris Bryant case, which <laughs> why did that take so long? It was always going to end that way. Um, Nico Horner, do you think there's a shot that uh, he starts in the majors, Michael? Uh, Nico, uh, he could definitely start in the majors, but uh, it all depends on the spring training resuming and how that plays out. It's certainly possible, but I'm actually more interested in uh, – David Bote and Steven Souza on this bench. I like both of those guys. I think Souza, it seems like, man, it seems like a lifetime ago he made that amazing catch to save a no-hitter from none other than Jordan Zimmerman back in 2014, which is hard to believe that happened. Um, but he's come along. I forgot, along I forgot with, that guy existed. Yeah. <laughs> you, as a Tigers fan, I wish I could forget Jordan Zimmerman. I wish, but I can't. On that um, note, we should move right on into the rotation and have Matt uh, give us a nice breakdown on you, Darvish, here. <laughs> That's a beautiful segue. All right, you, Darvish. I don't actually have much to say because it's what I what I actually am going to tell everyone is just amazing. Um, Corey, what is considered a good K minus walk percentage? You are looking for a pitcher that just did well, not maybe even elite, but what is considered good? 300 batting average is considered good. Like, uh, what do you consider a good K minus walk percentage? Um, I mean, I'm looking for at least over like 12, 14%. All right, perfect. 12, 14% is good. That's your 300 Probably batting higher. average, folks, for a K to walk or a K minus walk. In May, all right, in May, March, and April, uh, you Darvish, K minus walk percentage, 8.5%. May, 14.6%. June, 20.5%. July, 28.3%, August, 33.6%, September and October, 42.9%. Uh, you All find because he stopped walking, people. It's insane. And, of course, he always strikes people out. I mean, the strikeout percentages in there are in the 30s and near 50s. Uh, literally, September, October, 46.9%. <laughs> you literally walk to the plate. You don't know. It's 50-50. You're about to strike out. Um the only one who lives in that area is Garrett Cole, uh, and he did it over full season. So holy crap, Garrett Cole! But uh, yeah, I, I I have uh, tons of shares of of you, Darvish. Sure, there's a ton of risk here, but he was always a strikeout machine. And, and really, the thing that was uh, confusing was how bad he was doing. I'm not going to co- question a guy who kicked ass now kicking ass again. Um, he's someone that you're grabbing in like the mid rounds that has, you know, there's some other people that are there that are interesting but he literally has the stuff to be a top five pitcher. And I mean five. That's how good he can be. Do I expect that? No. But not many people outside of the top five actually have it in them to get there. And you, Darvish, has that. Yeah, the second half of 2019 tells the tale. Um, he's, back to, he's back to old you. You know, 118 Ks, 199 average against, 254 Woba. Only walked seven batters compared to 49 in the first half. So something clicked after the all-star break and he's, he's back. He's in back. the first month, 16.9 walk rate in, uh, in August 0. 0.8. 
<laughs> love it. What? I love it. I what? love when I love when everything just clicks for a guy like that, and he gets back to normal and actually improves upon himself. That's he's a very smart individual, and that's showing. Yeah, it seems like a guy who, if he had so many lost, it seems like lost years. Even he's, it seems like a guy that we should have seen dominant stuff from because he has, like you said, a killer repertoire. I mean, how many pitches does he throw? He has got like six. Such, yeah, like legitimately, right? And yep. if he could be the guy that he was in the second half. It's a no brainer. I don't think it's a stretch to say he's a top five pitcher at all. If that's him, the question is, will that be him? And if the second half pretends that then yeah, I'm all on board for that. But I, each season is new and things change. And now we're in 2020 and the season didn't start on time. And one thing I know this is way, you can't really quantify this maybe, but when people lose their routines and their schedules and things change, how will that affect players? That's just something to think about. Overall. That's all players though. I mean, that's why it's hard to, you can't pinpoint who it'll affect and who it won't. One yeah. thing I'll say is I loved you Darvish over a full season because I felt that he was getting a discount that he didn't deserve to because people, there was an injury there. It was just, people just had a bad taste in their mouth. Now that there's a shorter season, uh, the assumption was, all right, maybe uh, maybe he won't uh, – and there's some injuries and stuff. Maybe he won't have as big a discount. I think he'll have a greater one uh, because a lot of people you think will be being pushed uh, closer to the pack because guys like Lazardo, Frankie Montas, Tyler Glass now, Chris Paddock, I mean anyone that could possibly have an innings limit issue doesn't have that anymore. So they're going to be drafted earlier. I think a guy like Darvish is actually going to get pushed back even further. So maybe um, the talent levels uh, get – closer together because there's some people who had a who had a ding on him that maybe don't but again uh if you believe you darvish has it in him to be top five and he only has to go all out for 100 you know in a 100 game season i'm definitely even more all in him now because you know he he, he doesn't have to hold back at all and uh, i think the experience will win out especially in a shortened season i think that uh especially a guy like him who's been doing this a long time uh, he'll know. I think the veterans will have a much better time. I, I, if anything, I would think the younger pitchers will have a tough time with the uh, the routine problem. Yeah, but you also can't expect him to walk seven guys in three months again, too. That's just crazy. <laughs> well, no, yeah. If he was being drafted where he should, based on the numbers he did, that yeah, that would be totally different. If he was being drafted as a top five catch, uh, pitcher, we'd be being oh, that's totally horseshit. But um, <laughs> starting pitcher two, they have John Lester. Uh, righty, lefty, righty, be damned. Uh, he should not be their number two pitcher. John Lester, uh, Corey, tell us uh, anything good about John Lester because I don't, I don't have it. I'm gonna pass it on to Michael because I don't have it either. <laughs> low key oh, Hall of Fame, re- Hulk, low key Hall of Fame resume as one of the more clutch relief pitchers in uh, in the playoffs. If you actually look, I mean, it's insane. Look it up, by the way, everyone. We're not gonna get into it. Look up John Lester in the playoffs. Holy shit. Absolutely. I am not going to argue that. Like at one point he was the guy to own and draft, you know, up at the top of the top of the board, but I can't, I just can't get behind, you know, the, the inconsistency, the roller coaster. I can't handle yeah. it. Oh, you're right, Corey. You're totally right. You can't have your number two pitcher being a guy who just came off a season and 170 odd innings pitched at a buck 50 whip. You just can't do that. He's not a number two guy anymore. He's, he, he's a cancer survivor. I got a lot of respect for John Lester. He's done some great things in his career, but this is about what will you do for me in fantasy in 2020? And yeah. I would avoid John Lester at all costs. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much narrows. I mean, there's F strike is a flawed stat. Not that everyone should use it, but it's, it's and in general. You can see uh, it shouldn't be used as a tool to 
develop something to show something, but you can use it as an average against itself. Um, he's been throwing first pitch strikes even less and less and less. He's been hitting the zone less and less and less. People have made more contact against him. Just everything is bad. It's just trending in a very bad direction. He's getting older. It's it's not good. Uh, John Lester shouldn't be drafted in 15 team leagues. He shouldn't be drafted in 15 team leagues. Uh, you know who should be drafted in 12-team leagues is Kyle Hendricks. Um, is he the most boring pitcher in the planet? People look at him and they want to say, like, he's a poor man's Dallas Keuchel. This guy was like Cy Young once. I mean, I didn't say he won, he won it, but, I mean, he he was at that level. Um, he's not just a boring guy. Do we? I don't think he'll get back to that level that I am describing, and I'm trying to find it right here. One year he went 16-8. and eight, Um with a 2.13 ERA. Uh, I mean, he, he does it in a very different way. Only like, you know, uh, the K percentage was only sitting around like 20-ish, 22%, which is totally fine. But I mean, this guy, you know, you want to talk about like Mike Soroka where he's being drafted. I'm passing over him because there's a, there's a uh, what do you call it? A more, <laughs> I don't know what I want to call it. Cheap, just cheaper version. A cheaper, more experienced version of Mike Soroka later in the draft. A better value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his, uh, oh, go ahead, Corey. No, go ahead, Michael. I was just going to say that uh, last year his ground ball rate dipped quite a bit from 47 to 41%. And the numbers still bear out that he was doing the same thing. So it had no influence on his overall season. You know, he's a guy who gives you a, a 343 to 400 ERA, 4.0. If he's, if he's under four always, which he usually is, that's a guy you always want to have in your squad. He should be the number two pitcher on this rotation. It's not even close to me. No, yeah, he's going to give you exactly that. He's going to give you 170 or more innings. He's going to give you a 3.5 or lower ERA, 110 to 1.20 whip. He's, his O swing is up 3%, so that's good. You know, with age comes wisdom, right? Swinging strikes highest of his career at 10.3%. Not, you know, not exactly where you want to see it, but it's an improvement over time and for his age. And, and the big thing with Hendricks for me is he survived the juice ball. Like, he is a juice ball. 2019 survivor um he you know his home run to fly ball ratio actually went down even though his ground ball rate as you said michael kind of plummeted a little bit you know a a solid drop of like seven eight percent um and so the fact that he was actually able to give up less home runs on uh per fly ball and his fly ball percentage increased uh tells me that we're gonna get an even better season in 2020 and 2021 from Kyle Hendricks than we did in 2019 um, if the ball trends back to any sense of normalcy. And uh, and one thing is the, the ground ball thing, if it's kind of a red flag, you see in the first half, uh, his, his soft contact was a 17.8%, which is down quite a bit from his career average. In the second half, he like learned to deal with, uh, I don't know, for, for some reason, keeping the ball a little more elevated. He uh, did get the soft contact back up to 21.9, which is uh, right around where he typically lives. So that's also good to see. Uh, so yeah, Kyle Hendricks, he's, um, he's, you know, he's not going to strike out people, uh, not, not going to strike out a ton of guys, but he is, He's a very good value kind of sitting right there in the center of the draft in 12-team leagues anyway. Not much else going on in this um, rotation, at least in terms of shallower leagues. Jose Quintana, I mean, was he ever good? Was he ever good as a Cub? Was he uh, ever – Was it? did it ever happen? I mean, other, really. than, other I, than like a game? I mean, I understand pitching to contact, but 93% Z contact, I mean, you don't pitch to that <laughs> much contact. Uh, he's eventually going to – get knocked out of that spot of the rotation. 
Absolutely. Uh, Tyler Chatwood, uh, he has, he has, he still has a cheering section. They're out there. Uh, Are either of you uh, in the bleachers? He's somewhat intriguing. I mean, you just, you really have to dive into what he's done over the last three years Mm -hmm. and take a really deep dive like on it and decide for yourself if you want to take that plunge or not, because he has trended back to some sense of normalcy is his ground ball race dropped a little bit um k rate i think's up a little bit but um chatwood i mean he's he could be potentially an above average league pitcher if he keeps doing um what he was able to do in 2019 and you know who knows what you're going to get but somewhat worth a flyer potentially in, in deep leagues you never I'll know t- i'll tell you one thing um if i was uh voting for who should be the number two starter and kyle hendricks wasn't allowed it would be Tyler Chatwood, not John Lester. <laughs> I mean, he, he should be their number. Picking. Tyler Chatwood should definitely be their number three starter. I agree. Uh, and and uh, Kyle Hendricks should definitely be their number three, their number two. Uh, you go righty, lefty, righty when you have righties and lefties worth pitching. Um, you know, there's some rotations that have like five lefties, five right. Who's who doesn't care? You do you work with what you have, and what the Cubs have is bad lefties. Um, that is pretty much it for the rotation. There's not much in terms of. Um, anything coming in the minor leagues that is anything worth talking about as far as redraft or the immediate future in Chicago. Uh, let's talk about the bullpen, which is, I don't know, a nightmare wrapped in a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He thought Washington had problems last year. Woo, man, this is bad. We got Craig Kimbrell at the top. Uh, I will have zero shares. He's one Same. scary, scary zero man. shares, zero. Zero shares. Wow. Well, I, a- I well, I will have zero shares of Josh Hader. I'll have zero shares of Kirby Yates. I I I I'll have a ton of shares of of Keela. I'll have a ton of shares of uh of Joe Jimenez. <laughs> I really? like to bar- oh. I like bar I like bargain basement because people yeah. make the assumption that if you're on a good team, you get a lot of saves. And people on shitty teams lead the league in saves all the time. Chad Cordero when the Nationals yeah. first became the Nationals led every year uh, and on, on a bad yeah. team. If you win all your games by a run, you're going to get a lot of saves. So, you know, if if you're consistent enough, I yeah, I like I like to shop at the back end. Um, but Craig Kimbrell, if, if, if I were going to shop at the front end, I would not still pick that. Craig, I would still not pick Craig Kimbrell. That's the issue. Is he's going in the front end? He's going in that top to mid tier of closers, yeah. and I'm not I'm not willing to pay for it. If he somehow falls, I will pay for it. But that's would you though? I mean, I can't imagine. He has him, to fall. Has like to where fall. would he where would he have where would he have to fall? Like like oh, I'm trying to come up with a name here. Um that would actually make sense. Would you rather have him or I'd rather have Jose Leclerc over him. How about Jose Leclerc? That's a good point. I would rather have Jose Leclerc. All right. And I can't I gotta imagine he's never fallen past Jose Leclerc, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably not. No. Hey, as a Mets fan who's been permanently scarred by this person. <laughs> I think I'd rather have Hansel Robles. Wow. <laughs> and I don't want Hansel Robles. <laughs> I, I, Craig Kimbrell. I mean, all yeah. right, hey, so tell us, tell us something good uh, because hey, the K rate, I mean, the, I mean, it's, he's still striking people out. That's the thing. It's over 30%. Um, but uh, you know, he, he's, his whip is 1.6. Uh, he's, he's just getting, he's just getting worse and worse. Um, you know, someone give me some good news on Craig Kimbrell because, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just not seeing it. The, the fly ball rate continues to climb. Um, you know, he just, uh, he continues to, uh, you know, get worse in terms of home runs. He got, he went from 0.68 to 0.78 to 101 to last year, obviously limited sample size five or uh, 3.92. Wow. Yeah. I think, uh, 
Krimbrill is a guy that a lot of people are trying to write the narrative that he came in late. You know, he didn't get to come in for the full year. He was a late signing, and the Cubs signed him to a multi-year deal. And then with a new chance to start fresh this year, he will get the chance to be the old Craig Kimbrell. But I don't know if that's really going to be the case. I mean, the numbers prior to last year, they were all still pretty decent. I mean, this is a guy whose K rate was pretty solid. But if you start to look at what he does and the age, and I I, I don't have a convincing argument, I guess, to, like, to fight for Craig Kimbrell anymore because I don't like to pay for closers in the first place. No, and guess what? He gets another short season. So I honestly, I value him exactly what he did last year, uh, getting hit hard 50% of the time, getting hit soft just 7% of the time, ground ball rate at 30%, not taking it. Yeah, and it's yeah bad. Uh, and, it, and it's not one bad season. It was basically, in 2018, he was, he was okay. Um, like if you look at the whole season, that's fine. That would be acceptable. And if he was going to be the closer of the Cubs, you'd accept that. In the second half, the wheels fell off. I mean, four, five, seven ERA, one forty nine average against is still there, but his woba against like uh, went up like fifty. Um, it's just he's just uh, he's it's been going on for a while here, and it's you typically you don't get better, you get worse. It's but here the bottom line here is like we're not hating on Kim Kimbrell. We're basically just saying that uh, where he's being taken is ridiculous. Yeah, by the way, yeah, his walk rate in three of the last four years has been unacceptable. You know, 13%, 12%, 12%, and the 5.5 in 2017 was the anomaly right now. So I, that's another red flag, in my opinion. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, he always he, – he was never a guy who, like, didn't walk people, but, uh, yeah, not to this – maybe not quite to this degree. Um Anything else in this bullpen before we wrap up the episode about the Cubs? We really, I'm sorry, Cubs fans. We really brought this uh, down uh, for you when we got <laughs> to the pitching. Uh, but you already know all this. Uh, if Craig Kimbrell were to get injured, again, not wishing injury on anyone, um, who would be the next guy up here uh, in a holds league? Is there anyone here you are interested in? And, in, in, uh, you know, if there he were to go down, who would be the guy you'd be interested in grabbing? Uh, for holds, honestly, dark horse candidate for me would be Alec Mills. Uh, Alec Mills is a guy who could absolutely take another step forward. He's got some pretty nasty stuff and he's proven it um, somewhat in a long relief role right now, but, and also Rowan wick, like he's, he's there as set up eight right now. Um, and, and Rowan wick has also proven to be somewhat effective late in game. So, I mean, he's going to get his chance. Um, not sure. I would really take the chance in fantasy personally, but uh, it's worth paying attention to monitoring, putting on the watch flag, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's not, a, not a rigging endorsement <laughs> oh god if i had to put money i'd almost say i i'd almost say jeremy jeffries just because he has he has like you know what experience but i mean not in non-fantasy i wouldn't do it. i'm just saying if i had to bet on maybe who got the first shot maybe mm-hmm. it's him it's, it's probably gonna end up being maybe like rowan wick uh, but you know maybe jeffries just because he has uh an opportunity there but cubs fans you really need Craig Kimbrell to uh, show back up. That's what you absolutely need because it doesn't get any prettier after he's gone. And they need Braylon Marquez to keep progressing the way he is. And he will anchor that bullpen one day, probably 2021. Yeah, uh, we are running a little bit long here, but there's one more player because I just forgot to mention him, and that is Adbert uh, Az- Azale. Am I saying his name correctly? Mm-hmm. Um, he got shipped to the minors, probably mostly due to the weird mind games that they're doing with people's. Um, 
you know, uh, what do you call it there? Service time. So uh, any interest in him? Because obviously we talked about how the rotation is piss poor. This is a guy that uh, could very well get an opportunity to get a crack at it uh, one more time. I think that uh, there's certainly some interest. He came up for a bit last year and showed some opportunity that he, he has a pedigree. I think this is a guy that they like and I'm not a huge fan of his, but if we're talking about ending this show on a positive note, that's somebody I would be mildly into, but I would actually be more interested in Jarrell Cotton. If Jarrell Cotton can be healthy, uh, he got you know ravaged by injuries in Oakland, and if he gets a chance to come up and play in this rotation, which is very possible, I I have high hopes that maybe he could contribute in fantasy. Corey, good news for anybody? No, I think I'm just going to leave it at that. Michael hit it right on the head. Okay, uh, so that does it for the Chicago Cubs episode of the Turn Two Podcast. Uh, hopefully, uh, you listen to the uh, the hitting portion and then turn the podcast off. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully, you heard a little bit about you, Darvish, as well. Uh, but yeah, Cubs fans, you could be in for a tough year, even in a in a you know who knows though. I mean, if you Darvish comes out guns blazing, uh, you got Kyle Hendricks in a shortened season. You know, uh, you're gonna you could score a lot of runs if uh, Chris Bryant is right. So. Uh, and, and Ian Happ is, uh, you know, turned a corner. So there is, there's something interesting to look forward to, but that's going to be a little bit of a tough division as it always is. Um, Michael, thank you for joining us. Uh, where can everyone chase you down? If you have any other, uh, any other work you'd like to plug, please do that now. Well, that's so kind of you, Matt. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on the show again. Corey, you're awesome. I am MJ Govier, G-O-V-I-E-R on Twitter. And you can follow my podcast that I run. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo baseball podcast at Palazzo podcast on Twitter, two L's, two Z's. That's what we're known for. And as always check out the turn Two network. This is not a network, but it's a podcast that rules. So keep listening. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. All right, Corey, uh, where can everyone chase you down? You got somewhere to be Corey. You've been trying to move this show along this whole time. <laughs> I don't know if you're just being a good co-host or you're trying to get out of here. I'm just being a Brewers fan, Matt. You're like, okay, <laughs> let's move on to you, Darvish, in the middle of the show. <laughs> where, uh, where can everyone find you on Twitter if they want to ask you any questions about why you hate the Cubs so much? <laughs> I'll gladly explain myself. Uh, Devithius over at SP Streamer knows very well, as I as I have I've explained my feelings to him many times, as he's a Chicago Cubs fan. But you can find me at corey 5 ot over at Twitter. Um, I've got an article on Daniel Ponce de Leon that's coming out. Um, and then I've got probably an MLB Remix League recap uh, article coming out. Pretty extensive. Going to try to run up the word count on one of those and go over my exact strategy of drafting the Brewers. Um, and, yeah, so just some exciting things in the works. Um, you know, some new announcements maybe coming soon. Stay tuned. That's all I can say. Thanks for having me on again, Matt. Yeah, no problem. You said Devithius. I thought you were trying to tell everyone that, that to find you on Twitter at Devithius. <laughs> if you're going to yell at me about the Cubs, hey, find me at Devithius. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Definitely follow the show at Turn2 Podcast. Uh, rate and review the show. Make sure to subscribe. Subscribe your whole family. Just you know, break into their phone or their computer. Subscribe. Just download every single episode. Uh, we love hearing feedback. If you love this, you hate this, you want to hear something else, uh, you want to hear more of something, you know, let us know. You know, Should we should we fire Govier here? Because I keep calling him Govier, and he's letting me do it. I've just been saying your name wrong this entire time. No, it's Govier. I just I'm here for the people to you know phonetically spell it out. Govier, but it's Govier. 
Okay, well, there we go. Uh, like Hunter Hearst Helmsley, go VA. Uh, all right, so thank you for listening to the Turn 2 Podcast. We'll be back next week with the Chicago White Sox, uh, a, a, another exciting team in Chicago, or I guess a exciting team in Chicago. Uh, good luck, Cubs fans, and, uh, you know, we're wishing we're wishing you the best. Not all of us are wishing you the best. Some of us are wishing you the best. None of us are wishing you the best. Good luck. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turn two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, Turn two. What it do? Win leaps Catch out Catch out